0: Diversity Beyond the Checkbox is your trusted podcast for meaningful conversations. And now there's a new way to dive deeper. Visit our new website, beyondthecheckbox.com.
1: It's loaded with podcast episodes, valuable resources, and even exclusive bonus content. Learn more and join the movement. Check
0: out beyondthecheckbox.com today by clicking the link in the show notes. Now let's get to the episode.
1: You're listening to the Diversity Beyond the Checkbox podcast, brought to you by the Diversity Movement. I'm your host, Jackie Ferguson, author, speaker, and human rights advocate. On this show, I'm talking to trailblazers, game changers, and glass ceiling breakers who share their inspiring stories and insights on business, inclusion, and personal development. Thank you for downloading this episode. I am truly grateful for you. Enjoy the show. Thanks for joining the Diversity Beyond the Checkbox podcast. On this episode, I'm joined by comedy Wood, certified life coach and entrepreneur. comedy thank you so much for being here.
0: Jackie, thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk with
1: you. Me too. Kamini, will you tell us a little about your background and how you grew up?
0: Yes. So I am the daughter of immigrant parents. Uh, my mom came to the States when she was about 13, my dad when he was 19. I grew up in a small town in Connecticut, so I did grow up in a predominantly white town. So I, I definitely dealt with feeling a little bit uh, unaccepted and like I didn't belong for my, I guess, formative elementary years. So I will say that one thing that that I've learned through just going through my own transformative work and just the work that I do on a daily basis, one of the things that I really did learn about how I grew up was I had taken on this idea that I needed to find a way to fit in and belong. And so that really came out in the form of people pleasing and trying to be perfect, uh, not make mistakes, right? Because two things, one, if I made a mistake, I'm drawing attention to myself, so now I'm different. And two, being the daughter of immigrant parents, one of the things that I really picked up on was that they were working really hard. They were working really hard to provide for my sister and I. And the idea of being a burden was really heavy on me. So Mm. by doing things well and not creating problems, right, then I didn't create that burden for them because they were already so busy. And it wasn't because they said that to me. It was an internalized feeling. And it just, the, the way that I experienced things, I made meaning of them. As my five, six-year-old self, I didn't know. Now in hindsight, I'm like, oh, that's what was happening. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, I just, I I will share. And I do say that I never look back with animosity towards that experience, but rather, wow, that really shaped me. It shaped me in different ways. And I've been continuing to grow through it, um, even in my adult years. So,
1: Absolutely. I appreciate that. Kamini, tell us, why did you become a certified life coach? And tell us about the people that you're helping.
0: So I did not have a linear path to this journey. I mean, I was just sort of, I was behind the scenes running my husband's law practice, actually. Um, and even before that, I ran the project management office for a dot com. Like that's how I got my my start in the business world. But really what I, I noticed from a professional standpoint, everything drew me back to helping people figure out. What it was that they wanted or how they could grow or evolve. So, it, it, no matter what role they were playing within the firm, whether they were a client or whether they were, you know, an employee, it was, I was always so curious about what can I do to support you? What do you need? What is it that you want? Now, on a personal level, I am also the mom to five. My oldest is 22, my youngest is 10. But at the time when I decided to go on this journey, they were all like in that little kid preteen stage and what I was experiencing with them with especially my middle daughter and up was watching these type a personality children who had developed perfectionist tendencies and people pleasing tendencies and I was watching that and recognizing that that was coming from me A lot of those behaviors was based on how I was showing up and they were just seeing that and they were internalizing it as that was what they were, they should do as well. And so I did my own transformation. That's when I went to my own self-work is like, what's happening? And that's where I realized some of my origin story, right? Where that's what was like leading me to show up a certain way. And as I went through that process realized that not only was I meant to go through it for my own learning and to, to maybe show up differently with my kids so that they could have a different experience, but it was also, how can I take this information now and how can I pay it forward and offer that to other people? Especially because professionally, I kept being drawn to helping people grow and explore what it is that they wanted. And that's what I realized that, that I could do that through being a certified life coach, being able to help people understand themselves on a deeper level. I say that people are always like, well, what do you do, comedy?" What I really do is just give them space to understand themselves, not pathologize, not diagnose, but just truly understand yourself. Because when we do that, now we can open up to possibility.
1: That's amazing. And comedy, tell me some of the ways, we're all sitting here probably thinking, okay, do I understand myself? How do I go about starting to understand myself? What are some of the tips that you can give us to begin to explore that on our, on our own. And then what do we derive from being able to understand ourselves better? What do we gain from that? And how does that help us show up better or more authentically in the world?
0: I routinely tell people that it goes back to three pillars, which is what are your core values? What are your core needs? And what are those core beliefs you have about yourself? So if we talk about values, oftentimes, you know, we're brought up in with whatever like familial structure we have, there's the cultural structure, there's society, we acclimate to whatever those values are. And instead we don't take the time to recognize or identify for ourselves what's actually meaningful to me as my adult self, what matters most to me. So that's number one is really taking the time to identify those things. The second thing is, are those core needs? So often we are either busy with life, going, just living life, doing the things, checking things off of that to-do list. We're showing up in whatever relationships we have and we don't take the time to ask ourselves, what is it that I authentically need? What are the things that I need in my world to feel you know, fulfilled, to feel joy, to feel connected to myself, because if we can name those things, so now we have our values and our needs that allows for that deeper understanding to start. Also goals will tend to to come out of those when you know your values and your needs, it's easier to decide what goals you have for yourself. But that third pillar there, that core belief, that's important because when we're understanding ourselves, doing that. That deeper work of saying, okay, what core beliefs have I carried with me? What are the beliefs I've had about myself? Which ones serve me and which ones no longer serve me? Which ones are not helping me grow? And how do I, how might I want to shift or change those? Because if we can get those three pillars, like understood, that's where your understanding of self comes from. What is it that I value? What's meaningful? What do I need? And what do I believe about myself and the world? Because those things are going to shape how you then choose to show up and what actions you take.
1: That's such great advice. Thank you for that, Comedy. You're the creator of Authentic Me and the CEO of Live Joy Your Way. Can you tell us a little about each of those?
0: So, when I was naming my coaching company, it's a a funny story. I was just sort of playing around with what 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 would I call it and what I want to name it. Comedy, you know, just comedy coaching, and then. And everybody butchers my name. And so I kind of played around with it. And then really I was, it was in a conversation with one of my children where I, we were talking about joy and just like what brings her joy. And it just, all of a sudden it was like, no, because somehow I said to her, you just need to define it for yourself. And that's where that live joy, your way came from where it's understanding yourself so that you can decide what brings you joy and live it your way, not by some predetermined or some external, you know, script as to what, you should do or have to do. And so that's where the name of the company came from was Live Joy Your Way. And the authentic me, that, that trademark that I have out there is really about through the process of the coaching with me, that's what we're trying to create. We're trying to actually bring, and not even create, it's bring out, it's already there. Live your authentic self, right? So the authentic me is saying, I'm authentically this person and that's exactly who I need to be. I don't need to be anybody else but me. I can actually embrace the uniqueness that I bring.
1: I love that. And you know, there's you're right, it's important for us to discover that for ourselves. And and what brings us joy is different for each person based on who we are, or what we value. And so understanding who we are and what matters to us, and then being able to say, okay, what brings me joy? And how do I need to incorporate this and how do I need to prioritize this in my life is so important. So I think that's really fantastic. And Certainly something we all need to take more time for, right? We get so bogged down in, in the things that, you know, in our to-do lists and the things moving from work to home to, you know, trying to fit in a workout and then trying to, you know, cook a healthy dinner and all of the things that we sometimes need to really prioritize slowing down and figuring out what it is that we need. And then, what brings us joy? Because we can move through the days and the weeks, and not have those moments of joy because we're just moving from thing to thing. And I think that is so important. Will you tell us, comedy, a little about your own self transformation journey? So you help others with this, you know, understanding and, and personal awakening. Tell us what that looked like for you.
0: Oh gosh, you know, it, I will say at the forefront and just being totally transparent, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy and always fun, right? Because when you're doing those that deeper dive into self and trying to understand some of your patterns and again, understanding some of those core beliefs for me, it was kind of icky. The biggest part of my transformation was learning to use my voice though, because a lot of times as a people pleaser, you avoid conflict. And that means that you you don't speak up when you have a different opinion or you you don't share what your thoughts are with other people or if they, or they're saying something to you, you tend to just kind of deflect perhaps because you're just trying to avoid the conflict and you're trying to make sure that they're okay. So it was learning also that there is a difference between showing up in relationships in a responsible way, meaning I'm, I'm responsible to you as a, a fellow human and I'm responsible to you to be respectful and those types of things, but drawing a distinction between responsibility to that person and then being responsible for them. And that was really a huge part of my self-transformation was drawing that distinction between I no longer have to take responsibility for people. I can be responsible to them, but I don't have to take responsibility for them. And recognizing that I can be empathic. I can care for people. One of my core values is service. I mean, I wouldn't be in this industry if I didn't have that value. But there is a difference between, you know, using that value as a strength and then leaning too far into it where now it becomes a people-pleasing weakness. Right now I'm over-functioning and over-giving and forgetting about what I need. And so that was also part of that transformation. That's what I really work with people on is when I say understanding of self, it's yes, understand what those values are and recognize that sometimes they can become a weakness. There's there's a shadow side to everything, right? They can become a weakness if we lean too far into it. So learning how to calibrate yourself, learning how to recognize what those strengths are and, and also know How to utilize them in a way where you're not leaning so far into them that they're now starting to hurt you and they're no longer in service of what you need.
1: Absolutely. And I think that's such an important distinction because where our strengths are, right, we tend to want to lean into those. And sometimes we lean in too far, right? And now we're starting to, you know, pull from our cup and, you know, give too much in a direction. I think that's an important distinction to you know, and something to point out because we do that. And I know personally, I've done that many times, right? And then you have to pull back, which is, you know, can be another complicated thing is now you've, you know, leaned way over. How do you come back out of that? So that's, that's so important. Thanks for sharing that. So many of us are looking to transform our own lives in some way or ourselves in some way. What is some advice that you have for how we begin our own self-transformation journey?
0: One of the things that I would say is start with self-compassion rather than uh, judgment, right? Because when you're going through the self-transformation journey, it's recognizing that it's not always going to be easy. And so learning to be kind to yourself over judging yourself is going to get you so much further than being judgmental and harsh and self-critical. So I would say self-compassion is a huge part of step number one, but then it is giving yourself grace to go into it with not just the self-compassion, but with you know st- steady steps, recognizing that self-transformation, it happens over time. It's not going to be overnight. And so even small steps that we can take will compound to become the larger change that we want. And I think oftentimes when people start on that self-transformation journey, they try to like jump so far in right lately trying to try to take like 10 steps instead of just that first step and so that's what i would say is really important is just take your time with it and go step at a time give yourself grace as you do it kindness over judgment and that's that'll it'll get you there it'll absolutely get you there
1: that's great advice words are powerful and communication is key to success in business and relationships How do you ensure your words foster welcoming, inclusive, and safe environments for everyone? The answer is inclusive language. The Inclusive Language Handbook, a guide to better communication and transformational leadership, available in paperback and as an ebook, explains today's best practices for inclusive word choice and common phrases to avoid with guided exercises to increase understanding and improve your impact immediately. No matter what your role, make sure your words land respectfully and effectively. Order your copy today by visiting theinclusivelanguagehandbook.com. When we think about self-compassion, because we're always our worst critics, right? We're always harder on ourselves than than other people ever could be. What are some of the things maybe that we say to ourselves or recite, or what's the mantra or the affirmation to begin that self-compassion that you talk about?
0: I generally will tell people, start either envision your best friend or a family member, or just go into third person in order to start that self-compassion journey because people really, you're right, people struggle. It's so much easier to be compassionate to others and not to ourselves. So sometimes we have to to build that muscle, we've got to give ourselves that distance. So if we have to pretend we're talking to our best friend or family member, that's one way. I really do encourage people to just go into third person talk to yourself. Like I'll say comedy, you know, that was a challenging situation. That was really difficult. Wow, like and you showed up and you still you're still here. You're okay. What did we learn, right? And so that starts building that muscle. That builds that muscle uh, to be kinder rather than going right into that that judge mindset.
1: I love that. And you know, comedy, I I like that you kind of talk it out loud because when we stay in our heads, that's where all the negative talk happens, right? But when you say, you know, if I were to say, Jackie, you know, this did not work out the way that we wanted it to right? You're you're a little easier on yourself naturally because that's the natural way that you speak. Whereas you're so much more self-critical in your head.
0: And Jackie, the other thing I will offer up with that too is shame breeds and will grow and thrive in silence and when it's not witnessed. And so the other part and the other reason why we want to speak it out loud is because we can be our own witness. And when we hear what we're saying, if there is shame lurking in the background, we're witnessing it and it no longer can continue to thrive because we're naming it out loud, we're witnessing it and we can actually work through it like, wow, that's actually not true. What I just said about myself there, that's not true.
1: Wow, thank you for that. I think that's that's so important. And you know, such great tips to just get started with just practicing a little bit of self-kindness. I think that's fantastic. Come, on your website, you also teach breath work. Can you share why that's so beneficial for our health and our well-being?
0: Yes. I actually, for the longest time, only did my coaching through cognitive work, right? And then I took a breathwork class and realized how much our bodies hold on to emotions and past traumas. So I actually started expanding my practice and went in and got trained in somatic work as well. Somatic is you know, working with the body because our body holds so much information and stores those experiences. So through breath work, when we're able to utilize breath, life force, right? Breath is a life force. We're able to utilize it. We can actually uh, release what we've been holding on to. So the breath work that I work with is the circular breath work, which is like a belly chest and then out of the mouth. And it's circular in that process for you know, a period of about almost 30 minutes, it's just consistent. I have had client after client just release. And usually it's in the form of tears, but there's just a release because all of this is being held usually within our core and we're able to just up and out. And so it's, it's a different way to get at what we're holding on to because sometimes we can't get there cognitively because our, our overthinking mind wants to solve things or, or like I said, overthink and just judge it. And if we can do it through the body, it's just another modality to release what we've been carrying with us.
1: That's amazing, comedy. Can you walk us through a breath exercise that we can use to, you know, help us get through our week?
0: So the breath work that I do is it's set to just everyday music, and it really is like a belly. Like you're you're breathing, it's almost like you know the, everyone always says suck in your stomach. You're doing the opposite. Uh-huh. You're actually breathing in so your stomach pops out, and then you breathe into okay. your chest, and then you're out your mouth. So it's a And the thing that you, you get into a rhythm of it. And the, the one thing I will say is on the out breath, it's like the best metaphor I have is like, you're, you're pulling a bow and you're releasing that arrow, right? Like you're pulling the bow and arrow. So the, the out breath is like really just a soft release. It's not, you're not forcing anything out. The work is done on the in breath and then it's just a release out. And as you do this for a period, like I said, it's about 25 to 30 minutes of this. And you're, you're listening to music. And through my breath work, I'm talking through it as well with my clients. There's just this sense of release that comes with it.
1: Wow, that's amazing. Comedy, tell us about your Rise Up podcast.
0: Ah, yes, my mini cast. (laughs) I um, originally started with the podcast, I would say like two years ago, and I was doing these longer form shows. And then I realized I just want to do these small episodes of like eight to 10 minutes of just something either that's um, something that's popped up in my own mind that's been known to happen where sometimes it's in my mind and I'm in the car on the way back from like carpool and I just hit record and there you go, you've got an episode. But a lot of times I will, through my coaching work, my things, I'll notice that There's a consistency with a certain topic that's coming up. And so I usually just share about eight to 10 minutes on the topic. They're little, they're meant to be little tidbits to get you thinking because truly that's what it's about is you thinking, or you creating a way for your own insights to happen? And so, but yeah, they're little snippets.
1: (laughs) I love that. Love that. And can you tell us a few things that you talk about on the Rise Up podcast? Yeah. So
0: the topics I cover everything from, you know, things like self-compassion. I just recorded one about self-compassion affirmations. Um, I talk a lot about just like toxic relationships because that comes up a lot in the work that I do because I find that the more you tend to be of a people-pleaser nature, sometimes you end up in those toxic relationships. So I talk about that quite a bit. I talk about things, you know, everything from perfectionism to imposter syndrome to limiting beliefs, just those things that we don't know are operating in the background. And again, my theory is if you can bring things to the awareness, once you're aware of it, that's that doorway to change. Now you're given the opportunity to decide what values-based action you're going to take. So my hope with the podcast and talking about these varied topics of things that might be happening in the subconscious, it's a way to bring it to the awareness and like have people suddenly think about it and be able to See if maybe that's something that resonates with them. And as they become aware of where it might be operating, then they get to choose how they want to move forward.
1: That's amazing. And you know, as we think about your work, you work with all ages um, in your practice. Can you tell us, for those of us who are parents or have young ones in our lives that we are trying to raise in the right way or inspire in the right way? What are some of the things for you know our teens or young adults that we should be talking about with them or reinforcing?
0: Uh, one of the things that I talk a lot about, and uh, even with working with teens, is giving them the space to actually experience and explore the emotions that they're having. Because so often, again, especially in our constant on-the-go life that we're all living, our teens are absolutely dealing with that. And they're dealing with the social pressures, family pressures, academic pressures, you know, extracurricular pressures. And so one of the things as parents, if we can actually get our kids to know, one, that their emotions are totally valid and allow them to explore what those emotions are communicating to them, because if we can have help them recognize that they do have needs and if they can identify what those needs are and communicate them, they're able to actually step into their own power that way. That's how they can start building their own agency and autonomy, even in or as early as our teen years. The other thing that I, would, I really talk a lot about is listening, like giving them space to just truly actively listen to what they're saying. Because oftentimes our teens will say things like, I don't know. I don't know is a deflective mechanism. They're protecting. They're protecting whether they're afraid of sharing their opinion or they're afraid of making a mistake or whatever it may be, it's getting really curious with them and encouraging them to get curious with themselves. What's going on here deeper than this surface level thing that I'm, I'm experiencing.
1: I think that's so great comedy because so many of us and, and myself included have said, you know, to a, a young person, you know, what do you have to be concerned about? You're, you know, all you have to do is go to school and that's it. You don't have a problem in the world. But that's so dismissive, right, to their feelings and their emotions and their needs. And that's likely one of the reasons, because so many of us have done that, that they respond with the, I don't know, or, you know, I don't want to share my feelings because they've not been validated in the past.
0: Absolutely. As a matter of fact, I'm working with a teenager right now that struggles to even state how he feels because that's been their response. And, and it's not a judgment on the parents. It's never about judging parents. It's just recognizing that the work that we will do now, like he and I are working on is giving him space to know that it's okay to have those emotions and to name them and learn how to name them. Because when we get to that place of, wow, I'm really feeling sad. The next question is, okay, well, what do I need? Clearly the sadness is here to communicate to me. So what is it that I need? And then I might be able to communicate it to my parents in a way that we can... Either they can help me access what I need or I can learn how to access what I need. And again, that helps them recognize their own power.
1: That's so important. And then they get to go into their adulthood with a different sense of self and a, a stronger sense of self. And I think that's so important. Comedy, as you think about your work with professionals, what are some of the challenges that you find broadly among? You know, those professionals that work a lot and are trying to balance a lot of different things at once.
0: With a lot of my professionals, there's a lot of imposter syndrome that goes around. This happened by a fluke. People are going to figure me out. I I shouldn't actually be in the position I'm in. That comes up a lot. There's a lot of self-doubt just in terms of I'm not really good enough. That false belief is a really common one. I'm not good enough. Uh, So that comes up quite a bit. And in terms of parents, there's mom and dad guilt. How do I find this, this idea of work-life balance? Because everybody talks about work-life balance. And the truth is that needs to look different for each one of us because balance is going to be based on what it is that we're needing at the time. I often say, people will say to me, well, how do you balance five kids in a business? And, it, and I say, it, it looks different every single day. You know, some days it's more heavy on momming and then other days it's more heavy on the work. That's the idea of balance rather than it's got to be equal parts every single
1: day. Kamini, I'll tell you, that is one of the lessons that I learned not too long ago that has really changed the way that I look at myself as a mother and as a professional. Because, right, when we think about balance, we think about a scale and it has to be even, but really it doesn't, right? Sometimes we have to be that parent and that has to come first. Sometimes we've got a deadline coming up and we have to really lean into our jobs and our roles. And that's got to be okay. The balance comes over the long term. Yes. It's not day over day or necessarily week over week. And so when I finally heard that and understood that, that helped me move away from the guilt that you feel like I'm I'm doing this, but I should be doing this. And I'm doing this, but I should be doing this. And so I think that's so important what you just said. And I think more parents need to understand that balance is not on that scale. It's what do I need to give to today and prioritize today? And then what needs to happen tomorrow? And it does not have to be even every day. Exactly. That's so important. Exactly. Kamini, what are some of the tips that you have for us as to how we just find our own overall balance, live a little bit better, we're kinder to ourselves what kind of advice would you give to us just in general for our listeners?
0: I would suggest that people take a little bit of time to come up with their joy list. And what I mean by that is a list of things, both big and small, of moments in a day or things that you can do that fill you up. So it could be as simple as drinking that warm cup of coffee or tea in the morning in quiet silence for five minutes, all the way to you know taking a walk. It's the range, and then challenging yourself to making sure that you're doing at least, at least two of those on a daily basis. And that is usually a way to start balancing out because so often we lean so far into the to-do list. It's kind of natural. Am I checking off my to-do list? It allows for room that nothing falls apart if I also take time to do two things on this list that are going to fill my cup up. And that's a really good way to start building, again, that muscle around I can still get to my to-do list and also I can have these things that fill me up.
1: That's amazing because, you know, so many of us think our joy list is that vacation that's six months away. Yes, yes. But what are the ways that we can have joy in the in that day, in every day? And the, what are those small things that bring us a little bit of happiness? And I think that's so great to take that little bit of time for yourself in that to-do, li- put it in your to-do list. Right. And absolutely. I think that's fantastic. That's so great. Kamini, what is the message that you want to leave our listeners with today?
0: Oh, what I'd love for people to take away from this, uh, this conversation today is, well, two things. One, um, your uniqueness is actually your superpower. It's really important to remember that each one of us is different and that's actually exactly the way it's meant to be. And then the second part is, is if you allow for more understanding of self, that's where so much possibility lies.
1: That's fantastic. Comedy, thank you so much. This has been great. How can listeners learn more about your work and get in touch with you?
0: I am on the web at comedywood.com. And then I'm also on Instagram and Facebook with the handle, it's authentic me. And of course they can listen to the mini
1: cast rise up with joy your way. (laughs) Palmini, thank you so much. This has been so great. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Diversity Beyond the Checkbox. If you enjoy the podcast, please take a moment to share it with a friend, leave a rating and review, and subscribe so you'll be reminded when new episodes are released. Become a part of our community on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, YouTube, and TikTok. This show is proudly part of the Living Corporate Network and was edited and produced by Airfluence. I'm Jackie Ferguson. Take care of yourself and each other.